Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness, and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at 9 with us. Oh, yeah, that's right. Good morning, everybody. It is finally Friday, and we finally made it through this week. It's the last week of April, and it's Friday, April 28th, and today is National Arbor Day for all you tree lovers out there. It's also National Great Poetry Reading Day. It's also National Superhero Day because, of course, I need a day, too. It's also National Blueberry Pie Day. It's National Brave Hearts Day for all those brave children out there. We want to definitely want to give you all some love. And it's also National Historic Marker Day because otherwise, how would we know where anything actually happened? It's also Workers Memorial Day and National Hairball Awareness Day. Good thing Gretchen doesn't have any cats. Thank you for joining us and getting high at nine with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. We're live every Monday through Friday on YouTube and audio only on Clubhouse. And you can use that fancy little QR code right there in the top-hand corner of your screen to find out where we live on the Internet. Also, too, if you are joining us in Clubhouse, you can also participate in the show by raising your hand if you have a brief comment on the story most recently presented. But without further ado, we are going to. Oh, also to make sure that you participate in the show with a super chat. If you really want us to talk about what you're talking about in the chat, make sure you make it a super chat and we will make sure to acknowledge that. Oh, yeah. But first of all, we are going to start it off with the dope dad himself. That's right. It's Rico Lameet. Rico looks like he has his stuff situated over there. So I think he may have unpacked all of his boxes. But the question is. How much trash did he actually throw away? That's right. Is the dope dad himself, Rico Lameet. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jason. My story today. I got some good news coming out of uh, the great state of Georgia. Now, they say things move a little slower in the South. And Georgia initially passed a law legalizing medical cannabis back in 2015. It took four years to formulate legislation and create the Georgia Access to Medical Cannabis Commission. And now, eight years later, finally, over 27,000 patients on Georgia's medical cannabis registry can see the light at the end of the tunnel. And if it all goes according to plan, we'll soon be able to legally receive their meds. And legal access is legal access, even if it's happening under another cartel-style state offering with limited companies selected to distribute the approved up to 5% THC oil products. Still a win, right? Well, yesterday, 
The Georgia Access to Medical Cannabis Commission granted five dispensing licenses to two companies to commence sales to patients. Per the article, True Leave Georgia submitted three applications for facilities in Marietta, Pooler, and Macon, and Botanical Sciences LLC in Pooler and Marietta. Each company can now apply for up to six dispensing licenses, and up upon approval, they'll have 120 days to officially open their doors to the public. The commission says of the 27,000-plus patients on its list, metro Atlanta counties account for a lion's share, while Cobb and Fulton counties have between 2,000 and 3,000 names each on, on their list. Bibb County has between 500 and 750 patients, and Chatham County has between 250 and 500 as well. Commission Executive Director Andrew Turnage says they anticipate uh, future locations will continue to reach even more patients as licenses continue to open additional locations. Once open, registered patients or their caregivers can check the commission's website to verify licenses. And as far as actually getting medicine, they'll be required to bring their new Department of Public Health issued patient registry cards along with a photo ID to gain access. As the law stands, registry space is limited to folks having what the commission deems to be serious diagnoses, including end-stage cancer, Parkinson's disease, or Alzheimer's. Recreational or adult use is not covered under the law. And while it seems on the surface like a victory for patients, some of the other companies that applied for licenses are crying foul, saying the process for deciding who'd be granted licensure was unfair. Georgia lawmakers considered but did not pass legislation to expand the process and its approved number of growers. But they did, however, grant a, a different tier of licenses to four smaller growers this year whose court cases are still pending. So congratulations to Georgians who can now legally buy up to 5% THC cannabis oil at participating True Leave and Botanical Science uh, locations in their state. Progress comes in baby steps and much like the Internet, and the undisputed lightweight champion of the world and face of gumbo cannabis, Javante Davis. The trap, excuse me, the freedom market remains undefeated. We're going to meet the dopest dad on the street for Hyatt Nine News. Hooray, Georgia. Oh, man. You know, I, I, I think True Leave is actually going to do really well in Georgia since they provide so many booth products and they can't sell anything over 5% THD anyway. So all their products should really sell in this market. Um, I think, I mean, Dr. T as a doctor, like, like up to 5% low potency cannabis oil, is that going to help the folks that they say that, uh, that are allowed to get these licenses End stage cancer patients, uh, folks with Alzheimer's and very serious diseases. Dr. T. Dr. T, you with us? <clears throat> oh, hold on. Let me hold on. Let me unmute you. You're, you're muted, Dr. T. There we go. Can you hear me? Oh, Can man. you hear me? Oh, you went to unmute again. Well, while I hear you, Rico, that. What is that coming from? I don't know what that is. Um, about the concerns about the potency. I mean, we've seen lots of research recently that suggests that microdosing is just as beneficial to a number of patients. So I don't think it's about potency. It's about getting people access. And Georgia has taken a necessary first step. 
Um, but if you are like a terminally ill cancer patient. I, I heard what you said, and I will reiterate, <laughs> microdosing has been proven to be beneficial to many patients. Well, five uh, and a microdose. And I, I would love if Dr. T's volume worked, or if Dr. Felicia was here, or Dr. Mary yeah. to back me up, because I'm not speaking boof like Jason Beck. I actually know something here. <laughs> I, don't, I do not speak that. boof, first of all. But you <laughs> you're, you're fluent in boof, Jason. No, you you're fluent. 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 Outdoor weed. It's a boofant. Yeah. <laughs> it's a boofant. That sounds like a big pharma uh, name for <laughs> synthesized THC, <laughs> befluent. Doctor T, are are you with us? Is your audio work? Is your sound working? Your mic working? Oh man, that's all. Uh, we'll be doing a segment um, either today or sometime this weekend on Sunday with Doctor Felicia uh, down in Georgia on this subject. But um, I just. Uh, I've never heard, you know, I'd love to hear from our doctors directly, but I've never heard of any like terminally ill patients or anybody who is really, really, really suffering as um, stated by the Georgia law that the only people that are going to have access to this, the 27,000 people, never heard of them wanting any like low potency uh, cannabis, like up to 5% THC. But um, we'll see how this thing pans out. Um, Baby steps or baby steps. It's a win for some folks. And at the very least, you know, um, if you have one of those cards and you get caught with something, like I, maybe it'll get you a get out of jail free card. You know, I, you know what I really wonder about all this, Rico? What's that? If, if we are going to see the same uh, problem, but the exact opposite of what we are experiencing here in California and a number of other states mm -hmm. where you have labs artificially uh, hyping up numbers and if oh, labs pushing them down artificially shooting them down yes really it's going to happen yes 100% lab shopping 2.0 yep. yep. i will i will say you know it's it's a it's a win for the long game in in, in legalization for georgia but like you said rico a lot of those terminally ill cancer patients it's not going to do a lot for them when my dad was at the end of his run with cancer, like 5% THC wouldn't have done shit. We had to get those old. That was back when you could still get the old super strong bang bars from California. Yeah. And that's the only thing that made him feel somewhat normal without totally just, you know, being filled with opioids. And, get out and of here, bro. You, you use yeah. old school bang bars for that? What's that? My friend, uh, we were we uh, she treated her father and we were providing her with with those same with those same bang bars. And it was funny is because milligram. they were they were an Asian family. And, you know, um, it's very uh, in, in their family. It's very, you know, no, 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 no. And uh, and and the, the the family, they used to tell the doctor that it was just an ABC treatment. <laughs> They're like the doctors couldn't figure out why he was having such amazing results, and like, oh, it's a little home-based herbal medicine, ABC, ABC, homeopathic. Yes, yes. Yeah. People are experimenting out there. Oh, there's Doctor T. There he is, Doctor T. So, so Doctor T, about the five percent. What, what's your take on that? Well, you have to remember, percent is a concentration, so. It depends on your dosage. If your dosage is 10 milligrams, uh, you can get a uh, a product that's 10 mil that's uh, five percent uh, 
which is uh, 200 milligrams, you can get a product with, with that's 200 milligrams that contains 10 milligrams of THC. So it's the numbers game, but uh, you just have to um, weigh your product correctly. Good point, how man. many how many people do you think are going to be buying these products, right? And then dumping out 95% and then <laughs> getting like maybe 50 bottles and then just combining that so they can get, you know, home extraction kits. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, I agree with you, Jason. THC is what people are most experienced with when it comes to cannabis. Mm-hmm. So you're right. THC is what we're used to. CBD is a wonderful uh, molecule. In combination with THC, it seems to work really well, and it's already it's proven to work well in, with seizures in pediatric population. So they're both really important. It, you're right that it's Georgia's coming at it from the opposite angle. Georgia's coming at it from a high CBD. This is what Texas is doing also. They're coming at it from the high CBD. We've got a lot to learn about those plants. We've got to learn about the right dosage because most of the products out there right now are not the right dosage. And that's why people take them and don't feel anything. Um, And, you know, it's not about feeling high. It's about reducing pain. So there's other uh, things to tap into. Um, But, yeah, it's about dosage and, and molecules in our world. Yes, indeed. Good point. Good. It's all and, about and, that ratio. And, and, and on that, we're going to go to a commercial. We're going to be right back. Let's do it. Let's do it. Oh, yeah. You know what time it is. That's right. It's Tuesday over here at Green Street, and we got Smoky Vanilla with us in the building. So that's right. It is time to stretch and smoke. We just got done smoking. Now we're going to stretch it out, and then we're going to smoke again. Let's go. I'm Smoky Vanilla with my background in kinesiology and bodywork massage and assisted stretching, you gotta come check it out, baby. Check me out on IG at Smoky Vanilla One, Stretch and Smoke. Twitter, Smoky Vanilla. Social Club, Stretch and Smoke. We're also on Sports Recovery by Dan and Jam. If you want to feel as good as I look, then make sure that you get a Stretch and Smoke in with Smoky Vanilla. Yeet! Every time, every time, every time. I need to get down with that SSR. Smoke, stretch, and relax. Yes. yes. <laughs> Shout out to Smoky Vanilla, for real. All right, so, y'all, up next, Hyatt Nine's head honcho is coming to the stage. The industry's longest continuously operating retailer, highest Republican in the game, the West Hollywood president of cannabis tourism, known for smoking on the best weed in the world, and and for his unwavering support of past presidents. <laughs> Y'all know who it is. Jason Beck. Yeah. His past presidents weren't so amazing and do such a great job for the country, Rico. I wouldn't need to support him. It depends on which but, ones you're talking about. You know what yeah. I'm saying? But nonetheless, today I have some great news. Or maybe it's some great news. I'm sure, Rico, you're going to just probably shoot this all to pieces or whatnot. But for all of our friends in the great state of Illinois, and that's right, we say the S because you can't silence people without the letter S. Because more than 2,600 are up for a lottery of the next adult use marijuana dispensary licenses in Illinois. 
Thousands of co- are competing for a few new conditional adult use marijuana dispensary licenses, according to a release from the Illinois Department of Financial and Professional Regulation. 2,963 applications have been accepted for the upcoming lottery. Only 55 applications will be accepted. And in a quote, our simplified online application process increased the accessibility for individuals of all backgrounds and from all over Illinois to have the opportunity to write the next chapter of the most equitable cannabis industry in the country. IDFPR Secretary Mario Trito Jr. said, as part of the Pritzker administration, we are committed to ensuring Illinois' cannabis industry continues to set the gold standard for social equity and that it continues to flourish to create additional resources for communities and individuals across the state. The licenses are divided among the 17 Bureau of among the 17 Bureau of Labor Statistics regions and for Central Illinois, 18 businesses are in the lottery for the Champaign Urbana dispensary license. 13 applications have been filed for the next Springfield dispensary license, and five applications are in the lottery for the Decatur license. After the lottery, um, selected applicants will have 45 days to prove they meet social equity eligibility criteria, and the lottery will happen in early to mid-May. Well, what do you think about this lottery? Oh, man, it sounds like a whole bunch of big old corruption scandal, and I'm sure there's going to be some lawsuits following it, but I want to see what y'all have to say about this, and this is Jason Beck reporting for the High at Nine News. What do y'all say? Second time's a charm, maybe. Um, I wish I knew you were covering this story. Uh, I would have made sure Mike G would come up uh, and, and join us today. My man from Chicago, he's out here in L.A. now, but um, um, he had some choice words for the last lottery where um, uh, social equity applicants amounted to zero people of color. Just mm-hmm. <laughs> So um, I, I, we'll see. They say that they're the most equitable uh, industry in well, the game. What do you think about that? Illinois touting itself and the Pritzker administration touting itself as the most equitable for social equity in cannabis. Yeah, he might be making a run for the uh, um, as an incumbent challenger for uh, Joe Biden. I think they're just blowing smoke, hot air. Yeah, you with me, Omar? Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I, I think uh, it's just political posturing. I don't think you know if we were to look at the ownership of the Illinois dispensaries right now, I don't think they broadly reflect the people in Chicago. I think there's a lot of outside money from the suburbs. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. I'm well, with- my question for you, Rico and Jason, how do you create an equitable system to dispense licenses if not a lottery? If not a lottery? Mm-hmm. But uh, how can a lottery be equitable? It's just yeah, random. Yeah, exactly. Well, exactly. That's why what's wrong with random? Because if you have 2,300 applicants for so many licenses, a, a number of them are going to meet the criteria and so then how do you pick the number of license who gets it so i'm saying if you have people who meet the standards that you're looking for and you throw all those names in a hat i mean what else do you want them to do how else would you choose 
33 I, I, licenses. I don't think that's this is how it's working, Gretchen, because in the article, well, if you're calling it a lottery, then I don't on, understand. Hold on, let me let me let me finish my my statement, and then I think I can't wait. What I'm, I'm on. Okay, I'm just sitting so, here. Yeah, yes, they are having a lottery. But yes, it said that after the lottery is when you're going to have 45 days to prove that you meet the social equity requirement guidelines. So wait a minute. So are there twenty three hundred social equity applicants? I'm confused just as much by you on, on this, Gretchen. Okay, so articles I'm, a bunch I'm, of word salad. Either way, I have no problem with a lottery system. I don't. If you have a gazillion applicants and only so many licenses, how else would you choose them? Um, maybe like a point system. No, yeah. but I'm saying if you have twenty three hundred applicants work. and a thousand of them meet that point system. Then how do you pick your 33? Yeah. You got to um, do it through a lottery. How I, else would you do it? I, I started off with uh, with with which one of these people have actually spent the most time in jail for cannabis? Who has spent the most days in there? And I started off like that. All right. Then you're going to hit some lawsuits like they did in good old New York, like they've done in every other state. Regardless. Huh? They're going to hit lawsuits. Lawsuits are going to come. They, yeah, they've, they've been they've been working their way through a bunch of lawsuits. That, I get it. But if. Have, Another it's, round of this, you know, uh, ma this masquerade <laughs> that they're, that they're okay. putting out as the quote unquote most equitable industry in the game. My point is just when you have thousands of applicants who may meet your criteria, how do you choose mm -hmm. 33 licenses out of those thousands? Yeah, I like the point system. The point system you guys brought up because the dude I met, that's a license holder in Chicago in Vegas okay. that won the lottery was the Chavis frat boy looking dude that was just bought a place in a gentrified area that used to be, would have qualified you to get that license, but this dude definitely didn't suffer through anything. So I, the point system, I think is what it has to be. Like you, this, this, Right, this but what I'm saying, Stone, is if you have a point system and say they that point, that you have though. to get, say you get your points, you have to get a hundred points to be, to qualify. And you have a thousand people get a hundred points. They had that before. This is what I'm telling you. They tried I'm asking a question, work. Rico. If you have so many, then how do you pick the licensee? I don't get it. I don't understand how you guys think this would be an equitable way corrupt. to do it. It was corrupt. The, the, the key here. Did is they have weighted balls politics. in the machine? I mean, Illinois what do you politics want from me? are very, very, very shady. Okay. And, well, get in line. That's everywhere. I don't understand why you guys. Chicago's a little bit further. I think I think I think okay. it was all white balls in the lottery machine. And that's what you're saying. Yeah. Not no 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 minority balls were in the machine. There were no minority balls in the machine, correct? We're we're, we're, right. Tuck, we're Tucker Carlson's tanned balls in the lottery machine. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you know what? On that on that Rico, we're going to keep it moving. We're going to move right on over to our feisty little redheaded conservative Gretchen Gailey who loves to just tell Rico all about himself and just tell 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 that's right she also loves to dress her dogs up in inappropriate costumes and parade them up and down the DC streets that's right she's the founder of Panoptic Strategies and our very own Washington Insider that's right it's Gretchen Gailey I'm telling you, the people love those outfits, and we get stopped all the time on our walks for pictures. Do they have their people own love it. IG Hold on, you get stopped on walk for pictures with your dogs in costume. Yes, yes, can 100%. You, can, you, can you please send us some of these pictures? Though I want to see pictures of like people stopping you. Okay. All right. Next time, no problem. Picture inception. Pictures of people taking pictures. And you can't just like stop them and be like, "Hey, hey, can you take a picture with me and my dogs?" 
I'm sure you won't believe me, but yes, there are lots of picture takers. People love it. There is a fan base. All right. My headline, House Speaker pledges to give marijuana legalization bill a committee vote, GOP Congresswoman says. The Republican Speaker of the U.S. House of Representatives has agreed to hold a committee debate and vote on a bill to federally legalize marijuana, uh, the GOP Congresswoman who is sponsoring the legislation says. As one condition of her support for leadership's unrelated proposal to raise the debt ceiling and cut various federal programs, Representative Nancy May secured a committee markup for the State's Reform Act that she filed last session, her office told Marijuana Moment on Thursday. That bill, which has not yet been refiled for the new Congress, would end federal marijuana prohibition while taking specific steps to ensure that businesses in existing state markets can continue to operate unencumbered by changing federal rules. Mace's legislation was one of several cannabis reform proposals that were considered during a House Oversight Subcommittee hearing last year, but it did not ultimately receive a vote. With Republicans now in control of the House, the prospects of legalization advancing this Congress have dimmed significantly. But the Congresswoman says she has now secured a commitment of action from Speaker Kevin McCarthy, who has struggled to convince his caucus to support the debt ceiling proposal that Mace initially opposed before the two reached a compromise on cannabis and several of uh, her other legislative priorities. William Hampson, press secretary for the Congresswoman, told Marijuana Moment that the deal is a big win for Representative Mace and supporters of the SRA, and we're excited to have the speaker working with us on this. As introduced last session, the bill contained provisions meant to appeal to both sides of the aisle. It incorporated certain equity provisions such as expungements for people with nonviolent cannabis convictions and called for an excise tax on marijuana revenue from which would support community reinvestment, law enforcement, and small business administration activities. The legislation was primarily aimed at having the federal government treat cannabis in a similar manner to alcohol while removing the marijuana from the Controlled Substances Act and providing retroactive effects for people previously punished over the plant. It called for expungements of prior federal cannabis convictions within one year of enactment. Again, Mace's SRA hasn't been refiled for the 118th Congress yet, so it's possible that the language and provisions may be revised. Mace's spokesperson said that the firm details on the filing and prospective committee markup are still being hammered out. The New York Times earlier noted that the cannabis deal between Mace and McCarthy, quoting the congresswoman touting her apparently successful efforts to secure commitments on weed, women, and guns, saying that the two had a very productive conversation, and Mace said she felt heard by the speaker. While McCarthy has backed modest reforms such as cannabis banking legislation, he has voted against legalization bills and amendments to protect businesses abiding by state laws from federal prosecution. At such, a commitment from McCarthy to hold a markup of the bill is especially notable given his opposition to broader reform, a position that advocates and stakeholders have generally interpreted to mean the proposals to end federal cannabis prohibition wouldn't advance under the GOP House. I think this is a wonderful opportunity to take advantage of uh, Speaker uh, McCarthy. He is in a weak position, as we all know, because he has such a slim margin in the House to get anything done. And I think cannabis really needs to take advantage of this time. Uh, Jason Beck, your girlfriend, has actually achieved something while she hasn't actually got a uh, piece of legislation on the floor or any sponsors to go with it. 
But hopefully that day will come. This Gretchen Pride, Nine News. I'm Donald Trump, and I approve this message. <laughs> Let's give it up for women weeding guns, though. How about yeah, that? Women weeding guns. Right. That should be a T-shirt. Mm-hmm. Yes, Nancy Mace for president. Hey, mm-hmm. hey, Jax, uh, Jax, can you get on that? Jax, thank you. Appreciate yes. that. Yes. Oh, yeah. Women weed and guns. Oh, yes. Yeah. Speaking of which, we haven't told anyone. Make sure you go over to our website, hiatnightnews.com, and check out the merch that we have up there. Oh, oh, merch. Yeah. And for those of you who don't know, merch is actually short for merchandise. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but nonetheless, Gretchen, I think this is a huge, huge, huge win for cannabis. Yes. Well, we'll see if everybody keeps their word. Good luck. They Kevin will. McCarthy is weak. Kevin McCarthy is forced into having to keep his word. Um, and the fact that, you know, it only takes one member to say, hey, we don't want you here anymore, buddy. You broke your promises. And so, yeah, well, the debt ceiling votes kind of happen long before this ever does. So, yeah, but Joe Biden has to want to play along in order to do that. And he doesn't sound like he wants to play along at all. So, therefore, I don't think the debt ceiling is going to get raised at all. You know, okay. the, the problem with every all these proposals that came before Nancy Mace is, you know, they, they, you know, they, they appeal to this male fantasy that exists mm-hmm. that um, that women shouldn't be in charge. And I think women should be in charge, man. Just give up the mic. Give up the sticks. Jesus Christ. Here we go. Well, well, I don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah. There. Um, I, I, I think there's a bigger question. Is Nancy's the bill that we want to advance? Because I think yeah. that's the only one that's going to advance in the House, frankly. They don't care about the Moore Act. Nope. You are correct. And uh, Nancy's... Bill also has the most realistic uh, uh, federal excise tax, um, so that that way we can get rid of 280E. And so I'm I'm all supportive of this, and I think that that uh, Nancy Mace and her team over there in D.C. has done a fantastic job negotiating this with our Mr. Speaker Kevin McCarthy. So fantastic job to them, and I want to give them a big, big, big round of applause. Well, I hear what you're saying, Jason. Uh, I can guarantee you the av- advocacy groups are not on board with Nancy Mace's bill. You know, yeah. most of these advocacy groups, um, like they, 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 they have too much of a finite all is all or nothing type of mindset in regards to passing federal legalization. And that's one of the reasons that they're not being heard. Well, do you think, you know, I'm always about following the money. And um, is this, is Nancy Macy's bill written by Nancy Mace or is it written by Amazon? Is it written by Coke Brothers? You know what I'm saying? Coke Industries? Oh, um, Coke, the Coke, ones Coke, who, are, who are funding her. Oh, so so I have some insight on this. And so the, the, the Cokes did have um, some certain things that they some criteria that they did want to make sure that was included in the bill. And oh, yeah. in, in all honesty, everything that I know of that the Cokes wanted in the bill, I'm totally fine with. And, and it, it will actually help the industry overall. So it's it's 100 percent a win for all of us in the industry. Well, Jason Beck, Coke Industries. There you go. That's right, baby. <laughs> there, oh, there, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Don't forget Amazon's with it too. Right. Amazon. But then we also have to remember just because this gets out of the house doesn't mean Chuck Schumer's doing us any favors. What hey, you know what? You're hundred percent right on that, Gretchen. But you know what? Safe banking had to get out of the house a number of times and now it looks like it's gonna possibly ha- uh, get get something done in the Senate. Yeah, so, seven times. Hey, that's all right. I'll, I'll take it. If, if it takes me seven times to introduce a bill and get it through the House seven times and before it gets to the Senate, guess what? We're going to keep on per, uh, persevering. We're going to keep on hammering the nail. And eventually, everything is going to come together. Lucky number 11. 
Mm-hmm. Well, you guys aren't the ones hammering the nails. It's getting tiring up here. Well, uh, I don't know. I hammer a lot of nails all day. Yeah, I've never seen you ex- exert one ounce of physical labor. That is the most ridiculous thing that you have ever said in life. <laughs> Jason, Jason Beck is the hardest working man in cannabis radio. <laughs> cannabis period. <laughs> Um, he, is, he is the Nick Cannon of cannabis right now. <laughs> oh boy, you guys, you guys. I mean, we're going to go to a commercial since you guys are going to have jokes. Marginalized disabled people. We're going to keep it moving. Let's run some ads, man. Keeping up to date on the evolving policies of relevant state, local, and federal governments is key to success. When the future of your business is at stake, you need representation as dedicated as you are. With a maze of laws and regulations surrounding cannabis, hemp, and psychedelics, knowing where to begin can be a challenge. Good thing the law offices of Omar Figueroa features a skilled, highly focused team ready to guide you through it all. They're accepting new clients in California and New York. So make sure you check them out at info at omarfigueroa.com. Hey, Rico, I think we may need to re-record that commercial and change instead of maze, we need to change it to mace. <laughs> oh, we have to reach out to the sponsor see if they approve of the copy yeah yeah so uh we, we do want to uh thank everyone for tuning in make sure that you're hitting that subscribe button if you haven't already make sure you're pounding that like button and make sure you're heading over to our website www.hyatt9news.com for all of the latest and greatest make sure you're signing up for our newsletter as well as checking out our merch there's all kinds of different things going up there and i know that there's more stuff that's going to be added on and so we hope you enjoy what we're putting out there also too when you do sign up for our newsletter make sure that you check your spam box or junk box because you will be receiving a confirmation email and oftentimes it goes in there and you will not receive our newsletter until you actually hit that confirmation newsletter or the confirmation email button so please keep an eye open for that but without we're gonna play this last ad control tower from highly educated has perfected the dab utilizing the concept of thin film evaporation you can waste none of it and taste all of it the micro texture of the se pillar increases nucleation at elevated temperatures and with the tower propelling at 2600 rpms it's certainly the most efficient dab experience to date the control tower from highly educated oh yeah this og industry doctor with a vetted wreck of riding wrecks since the days of right after the tyrannosaurus rex And who knows, maybe the dinosaurs would have lived a little longer with a little 5% THC oil in their system. Y'all know who it is. He is the founder of Medican, co-founder of CESC, proving and providing daily data-backed science and doses of compassion for the people. Dr. Jean Talleyrand. Thank you, Rico. Hope you guys can hear me. Uh, All right, let's see now. My story today comes from Medscape by Peter Moore. The headline, is this a new effort of medical cannabis research? So Maureen Kennedy struggled with sleep problems for more than 30 years. She tried Excedrin PM, Trazodone, and Ambien. The last one worked, but her doctor cut her off. 
worried that the drug might increase the 82-year-old's risk of a dangerous fall. I asked my doctor about cannabis for sleep, said Kennedy, who lives in Colorado where cannabis is legal. He said, absolutely, try it. But he had no advice as to which kind or how much. Fortunately, I'm an information gatherer, so I worked it out myself. Kennedy tried smoking cannabis, vaping THC oils, eating infused gummies, but had bad reactions. Then her son introduced her to a friend who was whipping up batches of a cannabis preparation in his kitchen called Rick Simpson oil and shared some with her. Bliss ensued. Now she buys the oil at a nearby dispensary and swallows a rice-sized drop two hours before bed. It keeps me asleep all night, she said. Kennedy is far from the only one self-medicating with cannabis. Hop on Facebook and search for Medicinal Cannabis Support Group to meet 3,000 others just like her. A woman who credits cannabis for helping with their Parkinson's symptoms, somebody's Nana who used cannabis to relieve years of chronic pain, and a child whose terrifying seizures were calmed by cannabis. The problem, nobody really knows from a clinical research perspective how or even if these therapies actually work. For years, funding barriers have impeded research into cannabis therapeutic effects, creating massive gaps in our knowledge of the potential to treat disease. That's changing based on a new law signed by President Joe Biden last December, the Medical Marijuana and Cannabidiol Research Expansion Act, which is a rare example of bipartisan legislation and it aims to speed up research on the health benefits of cannabis and support open communication between doctors and patients on cannabis potential benefits and harms. It works by rolling back restrictions on cannabis research and speeding up the application process. The U.S. Attorney General, the U.S. Attorney must now approve new applications for cannabis research within 60 days. What's more, under the new law, the government must maintain an adequate supply of cannabis for research use. Attorney Shane Pennington has dubbed the new law a counterproductive nightmare. He feels the law imposes DEA registration requirements concerning CBD, whereas the previous law did not require special DEA registration for CBD research. The Marijuana Policy Project estimated that as of 2021, 5.4 million people were seeking cannabis cures with or without their doctor's advice. David Shirtleff, PhD, Deputy Director of NIH's National Center for Complementary and Integrated Health disagrees. The new law is meant to help scientists determine whether these cannabinoids are safe and effective. But don't expect breakthrough treatment overnight, he said. The average time to develop is about 10 years. Bottom line, a large ship is finally leaving port, but that happens very slowly. What do you think? Did President Joe Biden kick off a new era for cannabis research, or is it too late since people are already experimenting with cannabis? This is Dr. T of High at Nine News. Dr. T. Um... I think he, I think he might have. I think I think Joe Biden might have kicked off a new era of uh, of of researchers here, you know, because you have like be, be he an effective president or not, the fact that he did 
publicly say that they're looking at it and, and, and we need to be doing more research, it probably has spurned a lot more interest in it and, and, and put a lot of research facilities uh, foot forward to follow those orders because it's only going to get better. I mean, does anyone really think that Joe Biden is capable of kicking anything? <laughs> kicking the can down the road. Trump's yeah. Stop it, Omar. Stop it. That was cute, though. That was cute. Cute, cute. <laughs> yes, he will. Yes, he will. He did no, it last I, time. He did it I, last time. I don't. I, I. I don't think that this is that that all of this research happening is is because of of Joe Biden. I think this is all because of a lot of work that people have been doing for a number of years, um, and is is happens to just be, um, uh, you know, coming forward when he happens to be in office. So he's just the beneficiary of this because a lot of this work has been happening for a number of years to get to this state. I'm not saying like nothing happened before, but you know, it helps when the president is is co-signing. The efforts does it not like He's if Donald Trump was co-signing? It doesn't matter if you're a Republican or a Democrat. Like if if, if a Republican was in office and co-signed the efforts to uh, to do more research, don't you think that? It would spurn more efforts. But Rico, he's, he's he's co-signing research to hand the industry over to the pharmaceutical industry, not to actually research cannabis in the same ways. Of what we're that? About. Yeah, 100 percent. That's why his administration is trying to move it to a schedule three drug. He said he's trying to hand it over to the pharmaceutical industry. Yeah, he wants to make it a schedule three drug. That's what would base is basically. Huh? When did he say, did he, say he wants to hand it over? His his whole administration has said that they that they're trying to make it. They want to make it a schedule three drug. This ain't no surprise. Well, when did it, he specifically say that? It, 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 yes, it, they were just saying that. Yes, those words have it, not it, come it, out of Joe's mouth, Jason. No, it, it, it has been inferred uh, in meetings on the Hill and around yeah. that that's his intention. I I agree with that. I'm, I'm saying like words matter, and if we we're talking about broad inferences which joe biden has given like this is going to say oh yeah this is where the government is heading so i'm going to go ahead and make a run for this grant i'm going to go ahead and make a run for this funding because this is where our government this is the direction the government is heading well i appreciate your naivete rico right uh this (laughs) has nothing to do with joe biden caring about the research of cannabis this is him kicking the can down the road Mm -hmm. so he does not have to act on legalization and he can go out every week and talk about all the amazing pardons that he has done for this industry and how much he cares. The man has done nothing. Sorry. All he did, they're pushing a veterans bill where they could do research. Oh, but wait, the VA can kill it any second they want to. I mean, come on. This is all bullshit because they don't want to vote on legalization. Mm-hmm. Biden could do a lot more, but his tepid support at least gets the drug star out of yes. the way. The yes. drug star is not going to be talking against the president. Yes. It moves the needle in the right direction just because it's not a Republican doing it or saying it. But if it was a Republican saying or doing the same thing, you guys would be behind it and you would say the same thing. Baloney. No, I've been saying forever we ain't doing shit. We're still not doing shit. Oh my God! You were you were you were all hyped up over uh, the, the the eighth iteration of safe banking yesterday, saying oh it's going in the right direction. It's going in like it's right? going in the right direction yeah. because they dropped all dropped all the provisions and are actually leaving it as a banking bill exactly. instead of safe plus yep. because they are getting pragmatic on what yet. can actually pass. Has, has anything been passed yet? 
How no. much you want to put on this? Rico but it's moving in the right direction. It's moving, it's moving is going the to conversation pass. in that I direction. will say that safe banking right? will be law before the end of the year. You want yeah, to put money on that, I'm saying I'm your argument is, 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 is moot because it's morning. Your argument is moot because when these people in power say a certain thing, it's going to move the needle one way or the other, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. Joe, and Joe Biden does not move the needle. Joe yeah. Biden remembers when his clothes were made with needle and thread sitting there by the fire, you know, <laughs> back in Scranton. That's the man's a hundred. He know. doesn't move the needle. The Nobody right the takes Biden right seriously. You on the jokes, like right. 100%. But yes, when, when he says stuff like that, like how many people like with, we all know, we all here know that his pardons were really, really toothless. But how many people were on the internet the next day saying, oh, Joe Biden's like freeing all the prisoners, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, because they, like, they, they don't know dick. They say stuff, even if they don't understand what he did. That's all sheeple, Rico, but we got to go to a commercial. We're going to be right sheeple? back. Sheeple? Yeah, sheeple. Sheeple. Yep. You should know that. How's it going, guys? Saman Razani coming to you from Green Street here with Jason Beck smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio-only version of our podcast available on Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and Spotify? Tune in now and check it out. Oh, yeah. Coming up next, that's right, we have the lawyer extraordinaire, Mr. Omar Figueroa, whose recent book, 2023 Cannabis Laws and Regulations, is now available out on Amazon and anywhere else you can actually buy books at anymore nowadays because... They're all basically going to digitized, but it actually is a hard copy, and I recommend you getting one. I know I got one, but it's already packed up because we're moving out of here today. That's oh. right. It is the man that will represent you in court, and you'll probably win, Mr. Omar Figueroa. Thank you, Jason. Happy Friday, everyone. My story is from The Gothamist by Caroline Lewis. The headline is, Shark-like investors emerge as New York officials court out-of-state money for cannabis startups. State cannabis officials are trying to attract more investors to New York to help dispensary operators get their businesses up and running, a process that has been slower than anticipated. But state rules make it difficult for some established cannabis investors to enter the retail market. And New Yorkers who have marijuana dispensary licenses say they are receiving unsavory offers from the investors interested so far. One thing we are warning our members about is predatorial and shark-like tactics, parasitic tactics that investors are using to take their equity, said Jeremy Rivera, a co-founder of the New York Card Coalition, an independent group that provides services to those in the state's conditional adult-use retail dispensary program, or CARD. All card licensees must have a past marijuana conviction or a family member with a past conviction and experience running a successful business. New York could be a major part of the legal cannabis market in the U.S., which brought in about $30 billion in 2022, according to a recent report from the industry publication MJ Biz Daily. Ahead of the launch of New York's adult use market in December, the outlet projected that legal sales here could top a billion dollars in the first year, growing to more than two billion by 2026. But Rivera said some of the investors he's spoken to at cannabis conferences have raised concerns about the illicit market eating into legal sales, 
something New York lawmakers are trying to address. Their evaluations of what they feel the business is worth are really low, and as a result, they are offering card licensees in unfavorable terms in exchange for startup capital, he said. Dan Morena has a license to open a dispensary in Manhattan and is in the process of, rainy, of raising funds. He said he has found some promising investors but fielded several shady offers in the process. Morena said a common proposal he has heard from investors is to offer funding in exchange for a 49% ownership stake in the company, the largest amount allowable under state rules while also taking over operations. It's a bad business decision to completely rely on an outside party who are strangers to both fund and run your business, said Morena, who advises early stage startups through his firm, Redemptive Technology. It's just a terrible idea. Rivera, who has a license to open a dispensary in Queens, said he is relying on funds from friends and family. That means he gets to retain more control of his business, but it limits how much money he can raise. Everybody is a blue collar worker, so they work hard for their money, Rivera said. Rivera was working at a card coalition table Wednesday at the MJ Unpacked Cannabis Business Conference in Midtown. He said he wants to help educate license holders about what to look out for as they seek financing. Elsewhere at the conference, Axel Burnaby, the senior policy director of the New York's Office of Cannabis Management, was trying to convince investors to put their money in the state's burgeoning legal retail market. We are really interested in attracting capital, Burnaby said during a talk at the event's investor summit. We have one of the states that's most exposed to global tourism. But Burnaby had to defend the state's regulation against criticism from audience members. Some investors said they had talked to dispensary licensees to form partnerships, but they didn't think they could because state cannabis laws bars investors with stakes and grow operations anywhere in the country from having a stake in a retail company in New York. Burnaby said that the two-tier system takes some getting used to, but he said it is meant to promote mom-and-pop retail market, similar to the landscape for liquor stores, rather than allowing big companies to take over. He also added that there could be some flexibility for those with smaller investments across tiers. One audience member also raised concerns that the Office of Cannabis Management is not sharing data on sales at the few legal dispensaries that are up and running so far. They said other states regularly share that information. Burnaby responded that more data would be forthcoming, but not necessarily right away. The last year and a half, we've really been focused on licensing, he said. So our data analytic capacities are being built out and it's probably not the first priority. Aaron Geidelman, a spokesperson for the Office of Cannabis, Cannabis Management, confirmed the agency is not sharing that data at the moment. The headline is, shark-like investors emerge as New York officials court out-of-state money for cannabis startups. My take is the wolves of Wheat Street are definitely out there, and one easy way to tell what motivates them is to offer them some cannabis for personal use. If they're not into cannabis, it's an indicator that where there's no smoke, there's no fire. What do the other co correspondents think? This is Omar Figueroa, lawyer, publisher, and Ganjier instructor, reporting from Sonoma County, California, the traditional territory of the Pomo, Miwok, and Wapo nations, 
for high at nine, high noon Eastern. Oh, oh man, sharks. I mean, I I have to credit Axel. All right, I have to give him some credit for for getting all these money people together and trying to coerce them to invest in the industry because in reality, New York's program is going to fail miserably without this type of uh, financial input. But at the same time, without a strong regulatory enforcement framework, I don't think a lot of these investors are going to be like, why would we put our money in here? You guys aren't even doing anything to clean up the market. Wow. Well, sure what? what are we talking about? Are they baby sharks? Are they grandma, grandma oh, sharks? They're they grandma sharks. These these are all the, the, the Manhattan, you know what I'm saying, elites out there. And so I'm going to say that they're big sharks because a lot of them are controlling hedge funds and different uh, stocks and this and this and that. And so, yes, it is big, big sharks. Yeah. And these big sharks want big data to see if it's really profitable. And yep. if they're not able to get that big data, they're going to wait and see until it's available so that they can discern the patterns and exploit, you know, the, the gold mines within that data. Mm hmm. Show us the datas. Show us your datas. Exactly. Exactly. I'm with it, man. <clears throat> and I'm, go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 no. Please, please, please. Go for no, it. No, I mean, is it, I thought I thought we we're going to see a lot more shark-like investors earlier on in the process. Like to be uh, quite honest, and uh, maybe it's because um, uh, Kathy Hochul uh, chose the route of um, saying that she's going to put the social equity. Uh, um, uh, licenses first. Maybe that's why, why it's been delayed. That's but definitely, I, I, that's that? definitely a reason. One hundred percent. You're yeah. dead on on that. Yeah. So I, I was I was very much ex expecting these shark like investors to be right out the gate, and I thought it would we would have seen a lot more. At least on the business side, we would have seen a lot more uh, competency. Uh, when it came to uh, cannabis out, out of New York, um, but we are where we are, and it is what it is. I mean, and and you can't blame these investors because if you came no. to me with a plan and said, "Hey, I want you to invest in this business, but uh, you're going to have to provide all the capital to do it, but you're going to be a minority owner," I mean, what's the point? Get out of here! You're 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 gonna I'm gonna I'm just gonna put all these millions of dollars into something, and then someone else is gonna be having full control over everything, and who knows what could possibly happen with that? No wonder they're not getting any investment opportunities. Well, it sounds like capital. It sounds like capitalism is the problem here, Jason. That's not. No, it's not. The capitalism, not the problem. What's the problem is these bad policies. So, I mean, does conscious capitalism exist? Does it? Let me tell you something. I'm always conscious when I'm thinking about capitalism. So, yes. <laughs> mind on uh, your money, and your money on your mind. Right. Right. right no more. And, and you know, like like me and Gretchen, we had a great conversation about this uh, when we were in um, uh, when we were at the Super Bowl and um, like my personal stance on it, man, it business is business. And like a lot of these folks, and this is why I'm all about the philosophy behind social equity, but I don't think that it will be possible uh, to, to be a viable solution in the industry as we see it now, because um, you have too many folks showing up to the football game with basketball shorts on and getting knees taken out, man. And if you don't, if you, if you show up to that, that negotiating table and you think that these folks across that table have not done their homework and they have not done their research, then you're wrong, period. And you're going to end up like a lot of folks have out here in California with predatory lenders and um, in bad contracts. And what was it? Uh, was it Elliot that said that the other day? Uh, um, uh, you signed the contract. 
Oh yeah, 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 yeah. There was, yep, there was there was that part. I don't think people should go for licenses or get into the space because they think they're going to be given a handout. They need mm-hmm. viable plans to get funded. Um, and if you were just hopeful that New York was going to raise the money and give you the the social equity licenses, that's not a way to run a business. Um, and so uh, these folks are just leaving themselves open to it. Yep. Thanks. All right. New York. So are we going to see a new era coming aboard uh, now in New York? Are we going to see a complete turnaround? The only new era in New York, Rico, are all the hats. That's it. That's the only new era you're going to see in New York. Well, maybe if if, uh, was Eric Adams, you know, ratchets up those broken windows policies that he revamped and uh, we see a lot more uh, stop and frisk going on. Maybe we'll see something different, Jason. You know, so you're not going to see nothing different with Eric Adams, bro. You got the same people, just different faces doing the same thing in the same ways, just trying to make it all look different. It's always just going to be more of the same, same, same problem. And nothing's ever going to change because people in New York always vote for the exact same people, even when they don't think that they are. <laughs> same <laughs> circus, different clowns. Exactly. Thank you, Gretchen. Yeah. Bring it back to the Giuliani days. Uh-huh. That's right. We need a Giuliani. <laughs> the rise of Trump. Yeah. <laughs> No, let's yeah. <laughs> keep it rolling here. While a lot of folks are making choices these days, and while some take the easy path, sinking to new lows in life, others are hitting the high road. Like our next correspondent, Reverend ATX, straight out of the great purple state of Texas, also host of the show with the same damn name, hitting the high road. Y'all know who it is, Mr. Stone Slade. Thank you, Rico. That was as smooth as it has been in months. Um, Today, my story comes out of the great state of Maine, Camden, Maine, actually. It's uh, known as the jewel of the Midwest, of of the Midcoast, of Midcoast, Maine, a special place where the mountains meet the sea. It's uniquely charming and historic small town that offers you year round outdoor recreation to its residents and visitors. In fact, travel and leisure recently ranked Camden number nine on its list of the 20 most beautiful small towns in America. The town's filled with one-of-a-kind boutiques, restaurants, and quaint family-owned B&Bs. So they're very picky about what kind of businesses are allowed to open up, so much so that they don't even allow uh, chain stores to to open in the the small town. Camden's also one of the safest towns in Maine and the entire country. Crime is virtually non-existent. Residents don't worry about locking their homes, their cars, or walking the streets at any time of the day or night. But some residents are terrified that this seemingly perfect American small town is in jeopardy because of pot. Cannabis was legalized in Maine way back in 2016, but up till now, Camden has said no to cannabis retail. A nonprofit corporation called Camden Cares at camdencares.me has launched a website with the intention of spreading some of the thickest anti-cannabis propaganda that I've seen in a long time to keep it that way. The group has just formed uh, April 11th, is currently using the website to convince Camden voters to vote down two articles will be on June 13th's town meeting warrant. One article asked if residents would like to approve retail cannabis shops in downtown and business districts in Camden with a setback of 500 feet from schools or libraries. And the other asked the same question with a larger setback of 1,000 feet. Camden Care's president, Jordan Cohen, is urging a vote of no on both. He points out that people should not feel that they must choose one or the other, but can vote both down. The site states, Camden's a place where kids can be kids and parents don't have to worry about where they are until supper time. Dispensaries normalize cannabis use. 
send the wrong message, and research shows that they are a substantial threat to the health and well-being of everyone in the community, especially teens and children. The group uh, is gearing up to take the campaign to the streets in the next month, going into full crazy Westboro Baptist church mode by including signs on lawns, flyers, handouts, direct mailers, and advertising. Mark Benjamin of Botany is one of the businesses trying to open in Camden, in Camden has refuted the arguments made in the in Camden Carriage website. He uh, argues that it is false that stores would increase children's access to cannabis and notes that teens get their cannabis through the illicit market rather than legal stores that require you to be 21. I really want to encourage everyone to visit CamdenCares.me to read some of this nonsense. They're trying to scare the shit out of fellow residents by painting a picture of this town that's so safe where no one locks the doors and it's suddenly going to be overrun with petty theft, pickpocketing, armed robbery and drug addicted children as soon as the dispensary opens. This bullshit on the on the Our Kids page alone is enough to blow your mind. Let me give you those five topics really quick before I wrap this up. Number one, retail dispensaries normalize cannabis use. They put a stamp of approval on cannabis and send the wrong message to kids. Number two, cannabis is an addictive and destructive drug. Number three, THC concentration in cannabis products sold at dispensaries is as high as 99%. Four, pot shops sell products that are made to be enticing to children. Five, dispensaries equal easier access because children will always find a way to get what they shouldn't have access to, but dispensaries are proven to make it easier. Recreational cannabis dispensaries are the primary source of teenage consumption in towns and cities that allow them. Now, I think Jordan, Jordan Cohen, this guy, and his Camden Cares partners are 100% full of shit uh, and should be ashamed of themselves for, putting the, for peddling this nonsense being afraid of normalizing cannabis is just ridiculous. Riddle me this, Mr. Camden Cares. In Camden, there's not only there's not any real adult-only liquor stores because booze is openly sold in the grocery store and in the Walgreens, where it's been normalized to your kids for decades now. So where's the same caring about the normalization of something that actually kills people? Cannabis isn't something you should hide from your kids and, and leave it up to them to learn about on their own. Normalizing cannabis removes the curiosity and the taboo. If you really care about your town and your kids, pull your head out of your reefer madness and educate yourself. I'm Stone Slade reporting for the High at Nine News app. Hell yeah, man. Yeah, <clears throat> man. Prohibition is alive and well in the state of Maine. Middle Why? Maine. I mean, Wait, there's more. There's so much more. Like, I do. Go to CamdenCares.me. You guys read it. It's wild. It's you know, they, they stopped short of just putting up the old, you know, Reefer Madness posters with the, the <laughs> it's, yeah. it's all out there. And you got you got to love the opposition and the and the crazy crazy things that they say to try to <clears throat> fear people into believing them. Crazy. They yes. are some of the biggest fear mongers in the world. Yeah, make sure we make sure we continue to call these people out and call them what they are. It's all about reefer madness, and they're all trying to suppress the will of the people. But we are at the top of the hour, everybody. Thank you all out there for tuning in with us for yet another episode and another week of High at Nine News. You can always catch us weekdays, 9 a.m. Pacific, high noon on the East Coast. Big shout out to our super fans out there showing love, support, and affection. To us, the live audience members, online supporters across all platforms tuning in and giving us feedback on the daily headlines. Our vetted correspondent team tuning in from all over, bringing us much-needed variety, perspective, and respected opinions to the conversation. To our production team, Cloud Media Partners, House of Fuego, and the wonderful Jaja Simone holding things down for us out in Clubhouse. And of course, 
our sponsors. Thank you for your support, keeping the lights on here and keeping us moving, moving, moving. Nothing but love going out to all those haters out there. But why don't you become a super fan and put that hatred up on the big screen, baby? Come on, just do it. I dare you. And always, Cannabis Sativa L, the reason why we show up every day to read these headlines. We love you. It is Friday, April 28th, 2023. The show is over. You've been blessed with the week's top industry headlines. Hope is enough to put in your pipe and smoke it at least until you see us on the road next week. Y'all know who it is. Rico, let me meet the dopest dad on the street signing off. And remember, when life gives you no place else to turn, you can always turn the fuck up. Uh, Dr. Tyler Rand, what do you have for us today, man? You got the outro, my man. We got you, Dr. T. Dr. T, you with us? Research matters. There yes. we go. You heard it here first. 